Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. We're here with Dan Fraser, who is a strongman, ex-Newcastle Falcons rugby player, and all-round lovely man. So, <laughs> so I don't. You say Falcon. 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 I, 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 I say Falcon. Do you say Falcon? Falcon. You say Newcastle Falcons. Yeah, Falcon. Would you say Falcon? I say Newcastle Falcon. Is that your Geordie coming Falcon? through? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is I don't that know. Bath and Garage. Bath. Oh, well, there's another thing. Was it? It's. I would say Bath, whereas Northerners would say Bath. I'd say Bath. Bath. So you're not from Newcastle? No, I'm from Surrey, myself. Uh-oh. Learn something. We're going to have to stop the podcast. Uh-oh. I've been here for like five years or so, but I do not have a Newcastle. Well done. <laughs> this was lovely. Um, that's yeah, everything. John, uh, you've really got to know me over the past year or so. <laughs> You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. So um, Dan's got some pretty interesting stuff that we'd like to quiz him on, actually. So to start with, these are the things which we want to quiz him on. Would you rather be able to cure a random hospital patient at any hospital you go to once a month? (laughs) Okay. Or get the ability to fly? Oh, oh. So this is showing how much of a good person you are. Well, this is well, like I think you can use flying in a in a way that you can help more than one person per month. So someone's in hospital with pulmonary edema and you fly them about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's going to help. So if I'm flying, how much? This is going to sound like a stupid thing. You could be an ambulance. How much strength do I have in the air? What do you mean? So like if you're not anchored against anything. If something is, but I'm flying. Do you mean like can you lift a plane whilst in the air? Like precisely. Like could I stop a plane from crashing? Good question. Yeah. Well, with the force that you're flying at. Yeah, because I'm flying. You'd have to fly around looking for planes that are about to crash. Well, no, because you. Well, that's true. But flying is this just like Superman style? Like fly to the local air traffic control station. Say hi. Wait on standby. You'd have such a boring. No, you just give me a number. You just say hi. (laughs) Just what to just one. Just just to let you know. You won't believe me, but I can't. I've recently opted in to be able to fly. If you hear of any planes in trouble, drop me so a So You're still up. trying to maximise the number of lives saved. It's more that I'd have more fun being able to fly. So how can I say fly without sounding like a dick on the podcast? It's uh, it's one of those, isn't it? Like I guess if you were thinking, I want to, you know, I come across as a really nice guy. Yeah, mm. I definitely save people. Yeah, I'm going to save people's money. But then, mate, everyone's going to call bullshit on that, really. Aren't they? Like, mm. who, do, who doesn't want to fly? Like, really? I see. I mean, or you could, you know, be a doctor. You know, so, so that's the thing. I, and fly. Super doc. Done. So, so, <laughs> so, so as a doctor, being able to save one person per month in a hospital... It's actually quite average. It's a downgrade, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like it's got very good results. Like if those are your stats. Like a new career. You get fired pretty quickly. So yeah, but if one, you're, one person a month. Yes, so if you're a flying doctor... Oh, it's got to be... Oh, flying doctor, you could do all sorts. You could carry, <laughs> fly around with some salbutamol... So sorry, stop like, planes from crashing. Stop some mild asthma um, <laughs> at high speed. If you were get an old lady down from the tree. If the goal is preventing out of my tea, that's empty. Stop drinking. If the goal is preventing death, like take carry again. This comes down to how strong you are in the sky. Take bags of food to starving children. That's a lot of trips, though. Do it in one. Well, how, well, can you carry that? Because you think well, you've got to have the grip strength. That's the question. But you've got to have the grip strength to carry that. Get a really good strength. belt. Good belt. Do you mean like a Caribbean clip? Like a IPF approved one. Like an IPF approved one. Yep. Shoes, wraps, <laughs> sleeves. There's another <clears> thing. <throat> like shoes, wraps, sleeves, shoes. That's one big thing I've noticed recently in gyms. A trend. There's been a massive, massive like is influx the right word or like people using shoes, sleeves, wraps. You know, you can't go any gym anywhere without someone setting up for a squat. They're gonna have the full get up. You know, your, your Ollie shoes, your your knee sleeves, everything, like everywhere you go, even from a very low um, uh, level and age, like I've sort of seen some like, you know, 14, 15 year old lifters fully suited and booted. And to me, that just seems a bit... Mm. Just saw you doing it before, like Dan just had a bowl of cereal, like you had to strap up and put a belt on for it. <laughs> We've all got the mate that put, was it, that puts the belt on for everything. For everything. <laughs> oh, you love it, was it the bicep curling, but you know the belts where they're, they're thick at the back and thin, thin at the front, you can oh, buy from Argos. For the, like, yeah, China. you buy from like sport, sports soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there are there are people that do that. But the thing is, like, why why would you need a belt to warm up? So the first few sets. I wrote an article it. about they included quite a bit on belts. Yeah. Last week, and I wanted to try and dig into like where's the origin of people thinking 
I need like wearing a belt all the yeah. time is good. There is a video of Ronnie Coleman where he says that Joe Weeder told him to wear his belt all the time during training. Yeah. Doesn't he make belts? Joe Weeder. Yeah. Maybe. Hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, uh, so if you're telling someone who owns a belt manufacturer, well, amongst many other things, so making belts, told one of the top level bodybuilders to, to wear, wear a belt all the time, and Ronnie Coleman credits his credits his his um, tighter waist in the Olympia that year to this one thing. And this obviously the video has got like millions of so views. Of course, Ronnie, see Ronnie Coleman. Everyone's it's got to be stuff like that, like people sound bites like that. People. So I used to know a bodybuilder that would wear a belt from the moment he sat in the gym, even if he was doing arms. Just in case. Well, it was it was to try and atrophy his waist a bit, and so that he yeah. would then... Well, was, it, like these girl, was it these yeah. girls are now doing squeaming, is it? That's another one. Squeaming. squeaming? Is that what it's called? They wear like corsets to tighten themselves up. Just, oh to, put, just to push your organs. Essentially, yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> Google. It's put into the Googleizer. It's a real thing. The Googleizer. So they're, uh, they're, they're wearing these corsets to tighten themselves up in the hope that they're going to get, you know, like the sort of that hourglass shape. And that's got to be doing some sort of damage. You, you can't actually redistribute your. I, I'm sure I saw either some imaging or like a, a biopsy. A, a, you know, like a, Someone redistribute their organs. They just pushed their liver and stuff further up. Or, and stuff or, or down is that the medical and stuff medical term <laughs> yeah but they they took a great Instagram picture though oh I bet yeah <laughs> that's, that's what we're about really you know? hashtag so wobbly as well hashtag no filter they have a very unstable spine which is something that I wanted to ask you about yes. later on so next we, question alright cool uh, would you rather be able to swap people's souls or bodies or change someone's sex both quite unethical we never got we, no we didn't all answer the, the fly or save people I'm gonna fly you're gonna fly okay I, I suppose I'd have to fly as you, well. You're super oh, dog. It's got to be fly. Three flies? Three flies. We're bad people. All bad people. Bad people, but fly. <clears throat> I'm conning myself, though, and telling myself that secretly at some point I'll get around to helping people you while flying. You won't, mate. I bet you'd be like, a, a year later, you'd be like, oh, I did promise that I would. There's like three plane crashes in that time, you're thinking, hmm. I suppose it also Good depends on how fast you fly. What you do is you just go around the world and look up every local gym record and just fly just go break to it. the other. Mm. So, Sorry, you have to say oh, the yeah. question again. Swapping people's souls or bodies or change someone's sex. You can. You have the ability to do one of those why, two things. Why would you want to change someone's sex? Both of them are dick moves, really, because you... <laughs> oh, you mean it's being oh, nasty. Yeah, to, to fuck someone. Actually, someone no, no. Um, changing someone's sex, you could make a lot of money from if you were... Again, if, you, know, you, you could do it non-surgically and charge 100 grand. Oh, charge more, more than that. I reckon more, man. Really? Like, if you I, think about instant, the no operation. perfect. Yeah. I've actually seen the procedure two days ago for male-to-female sex change, and it's really grim. Like You can find it on YouTube if you're listening and if you're interested... <laughs> It's a, it, it probably. Hang on, how, how did you get on to seeing this procedure? Just searched it. I, I was you, just, just googling youporn.com and then yeah, <laughs> just click through it. Just, I was just googling. Yeah, as you do when you're I was in the pub with a bunch of people <laughs> discussing. Um, is, this, it, is this what you learned in medical school? How to do that? Yeah, that is the. Uh, we know it's a lie thing. when you open with. I was in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Tracking his macros. <laughs> Seven calories. Per yeah, I, like I don't get squeamish about stuff, but that sent the ghiblies right yeah. up me. The ghiblies. The so are you going well. to tell us? I, you have to see it, but it's. Uh, can you tell us in a PG way? <sighs> okay, so they. I don't know if I can tell us in a PG way. They they make no. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this for people to search if they want to <laughs> see it. What would we search if we wanted to? Uh, male to female, sex change surgery. Okay. Okay. Or like surgical procedure or something. Fantastic. Are you searching it now? No. He's on his phone looking <laughs> up. So saving it in his memos. Remember to Google. Reminder. 10, 10 so what, what's the verdict on that one? Sex change. Make... Uh, I think you put a very bodies good case. Bodies and souls. For the sex first change. So I guess the switching people's minds and bodies. I can't I can't think of a what benefit like to that. Freaky Friday, Lindsay Lohan hand start. Yeah. With her mum when they switch. Great fun. But doing that to people is a bit harsh. Just could un- you but could you switch them back? Yeah. Uh, some fun though, uh, I think. You know we what? could have some fun. I can't even from the From the thumbnail. From the thumbnail yeah. on YouTube. I told you it's it's a horrible Did you watch it on YouTube? Yeah. So you it wasn't to do with your degree? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic. So, Obviously they don't teach you that in like your third year of Well, <laughs> just when you said like I not, saw the procedure for male to female section. Oh, I was no, like, not, not in that's hospitals. Some like, surgery, presumably. <laughs> like, they, they don't just go like alakazam. Yeah. So I thought, like, oh, he's been. It's quite, it's quite impressive, actually. The final product 
they managed to make use of all of the little bibblies and bibblies to make you know they're quite what resourceful I, basically what I find fascinating about that is that someone you know a very obviously qualified experienced surgeon has really thought that out sat mm. and devised yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah but like what was instead of like you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna create a new procedure to get uh, I don't know a bypass in the house you know help someone deliver or transport like that no do you know what I really want to get good at you know cutting up sexual organs well you, I, I think you've got to be the biggest YOLO to be the first person to try the yeah to ah. first patient be the pioneer oh it probably is Imagine quite a big improvement in quality of life I think I read something about it like whether it should be on the NHS because it because of the amount it improves the quality of, of people's lives when they want that to happen. Is it not yeah. under NHS right now? I, I don't, don't know. Don't know. Don't know. It'd be interesting to find Wouldn't out. Like to say. But I, I, I think, like, you know, on the more serious point, how sad that someone feels so upset in their own body or mm. or their sexuality that they have to go through these insane changes. I imagine genuinely operation. you're a, a woman or a man. It must be just mental torture almost. I mean, like um, Matt Croc. You know, that, that's, yeah. that's in, what a story that was. Have you seen, you seen that? Yeah. Janine, was it Janine? Yeah, Janine. Yeah, what a story. So I thought for a so while that, that, that was a joke. Yeah, yeah it was like, always going around, wasn't time. it? But uh, he was cross-dressed, uh, mm. trisexual, yeah, wasn't it? Because it looks like a 4chan hoax or something. That, yeah, like they've yeah. added like hair to him and, and put yeah. his face on a different body. So you'd be able to offer that as a service, non-surgically, non-invasively, instant. instant. Oh yeah, you can think of all the lives you could change. You probably save quite a few as well, couldn't you? Your reason for doing it was monetizing. Yeah. Just to make money, so right, we want to help you. Want to make? Okay. I suppose yeah. like if you could you. help people while making money, then that's the, that's the ideal business. What? Yeah. What? A, what? A, what an industry to be in. Fine. Sold. Third one. Fine. Third one. Would you rather continue with your life or restart it? Wow. Ooh. I assume Ooh. that means restart it, knowing what because you'd smash like primary school. You'd go around and just absolutely. It would clean also up. feel really futile. Yeah. Very frustrating. I think. Yeah. So if, you push, if you push the reset button, is it like your whole life restarts? Would you know you've restarted it? So let's assume you have, you know that you've restarted it yeah. and you're still Dan. Yeah. But the problem is people, so as a baby, do you give the game up and just talk normally or do you pretend to be a baby? <laughs> give the game up. <laughs> well, you, you'll be thrust into completely unwanted fame. You'll be on like then, this, this morning, you... loose women. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you have to then bluff. I think as much as you'd like to, you know, everyone gets the thoughts, you know, oh, if I could go back and change this or do this or do that. But then... You seriously have to think, I'm going to have to go back and live, what, 20, 30 years of my mm. life again? No. <laughs> I think that's, no. It's like sitting and being told, like, one plus one, and like to colour in the lines, and how to cut something out, for example, and, and print stick it to a bit of paper. You'd be uh, like, I'm so over this. Yeah, <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to do anything. Like, so you're in the house, you want to go somewhere. You can't train, you can't drive, you can't drink, Even if have you sex. Tried, oh. you, you have no money, you no bank account. You're trying to set, like, you could prove, you, you could say, look, I can drive. Like, <laughs> put me in the test centre now. And you'd be like, no, no, you're, you're four years old, you can't, and you're like, oh. No phone. No phone. No laptop. There's probably no internet. Couldn't get a job. I think there was. No. There was, there's no internet, is there? No, when, did, when was the internet, when did the internet happen? Late Quite 80s, recent. 90s, and you'd be going on the internet and your dad's like get off the internet yeah I'm on the phone I'm downloading something off LimeWire mom god Lime and Kazar Kazar that was a big one was it because it started off at Napster that was it and then to think now it's all just streaming isn't it I mean it's all YouTube YouTube yeah well Spotify Netflix you'd be talking about things people like you're mental yeah those are I don't know what you're talking about. It'd be hard to know when, what, to... when stuff was yeah. was okay to say. Yeah. Facebook. I, I remember signing up, I think I was in lower, lower sixth when mm. Facebook first started and thinking, okay, fine. And I got my profile in 2007. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you, you could buy day. like Facebook IPO. You, uh, could, you could absolutely Oh, there's, there's almost the market. too many things you could do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You you could nick, short oil short oil nick all of the uh, all of the Nobel Prize ideas and just well, you could just you could just set Facebook up. But saying that would would you, would you actually do it though? Like here's the thing like we could say like oh, we do all this here we know all this but would you actually do it? You'd be like CBA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get around to it. I'm I'm five. It's okay. Like, I've still got some time. Trying to get in touch as a as a baby like a two year old baby trying to get in touch with a a web developer and sit and explain to them like I have this idea. <laughs> Like, trying to set up like a brokerage account. <laughs> what's that, what's that, what does that mean? You want me? Hello. What, what's your date of birth? Uh, it was three years ago. <laughs> Sorry, were you a Chinese baby? Do I still, yeah, yeah. Well, why, not, why not? 
What an equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah, do I still do I still qualify? Can I set up a bank account? Oh, no, well you could set up like a little crap child's one. Where you get like a colouring inset for setting it up and yeah. like a, you get like a, a piggy bank. Great so, question. Yeah. Well you absolutely would. But, but it's you, just you would restart your life. Yeah, but then you'd have you'd, it'd be interesting to see what the reality of that would actually be. You'd probably get quite depressed. Too late by that point. You've restarted. You can't well, do anything yeah, about it. You've just got to live it through. That's it. <laughs> so, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, um, well, I'm just Dan. Uh, I've come from a background of rugby. Was my big uh, sport. So, from the age of about, you know, pretty much as young as you could, about I think six or seven. Like I used to watch my older brother play. So that's what got me involved. I mean, for me, rugby was pretty much everything. I mean, when you're that age, uh, growing up at that age, it's, it's all you dream and think about and want to do. And when I first started, it, it, it rugby was, I think it was just becoming professional. So around 95, it was professional. So there was that opportunity to have a career in, you know, a sport I loved. So for me, that was like, oh, so if I, you know, do well and train hard, there could be something quite nice at the end of this. So that rugby became my everything from you know from seven till probably about you know 22 23 when i finished playing just that, that was all i wanted to do so everything in my life was geared towards it so schoolwork yeah i did a bit got by didn't put enough folk, as much focus as i should have done but um it, it didn't matter what i wanted to do was be a good player and i think i was fortunate in that i seemed to have a good talent for it um, I played an age group up for quite a while and then with rugby you sort of go through the easiest way to get a good contract is to go through county uh, when you go to county which I did played for a few years there you then get um, you could be selected from a local premiership club so for me my local club was a uh, Harlequins just down in Twickenham so I got selected to be in there they called it EPDG uh, which is basically a kind of they'll run into the academy. So I got signed up there. Uh, I did that alongside school and working, and, well not working, but school, to the age of about, I think 17, 18. And then just as I was finishing my A-levels, it was then into the academy. So of course that's a great time to be told you're gonna, here's a, here's a contract, you're gonna have a professional career just before you should get serious with your A-levels. And for someone like me, I was like, great, so I don't need to do those anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think my grades were the best, but and, you know, it's enough to still get into uni if I wanted to. But I did that, and then from the ages of um, 18 onwards, I, did, I was professional, I think, for six years. I think it was five, it might be, no, five seasons. So I did three years at Harlequins, uh, did three years there, uh, then got uh, released from my contract when i uh, been there for three years. So it was time to step up from the academy into first team. Looking back, uh, they had some very, they had some very good, still have some very good players there. So they, they were kind of, I was in that cusp of, well, is he going to play first team or is he still in the academy? It's like, it was too hard to be in the academy, time to move on. Then went to Doncaster, had a year there, living in Armthorpe, and that was a, playing in the championship. So that's the, well, you know, one below premiership. And that was one of the best things I ever did for my career. Like played there and that was amazing, really, really good. Sunny um, got some good games under my belt, became quite a um, sought-after player at the time. You know, rugby at all, um, in sport, it's sometimes your flavour of the week, sometimes you're not. Luckily, I had a good run. Uh, then I talked to a couple of clubs, but then decided uh, Newcastle Falcons. Falcons, Johnny. Falcons. Was, uh, was the one for me. Uh, then moved up here. Um, that was about five years ago now. And then um, at Falcons, I then joined up uh, with the aim to play a lot of first-team rugby. But unfortunately, things started to unravel a little bit for me. So I've suffered back pain quite a lot from when I was about eight, the 19s when it first started. And I was a tighter prop, which is, I don't know if you follow rugby at all, but it's one of those three idiots at the front when you watch on TV all headbutt each other and wiggle their heads about and do that. So you can imagine the... Tight prop. Yeah, the, uh, the pressure on your back in there, especially for a tall guy like myself. And so I had it, I got, I, I did the same injury I always did, was out for a few months there, and then um, managed to get back in, you know, got some decent games together, managed to get in the first team play, played a few premiership games, which was amazing. Got to play in France, play against, you know, heroes like Johnny Wilkinson and Carl Heyman and players like that, which was fantastic. And then just as it started to get really good, the uh, back's gone. Suddenly, a long time out injured. I actually did up having some kind of um, surgery on my back. And then as a result of being out for quite a while, I then um, retired from there. I was released from my contract. And then I tried to get fit again to play. Um, so I gave myself a year. I said within about a year or two to see if I was fit to play again. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, I tried playing a game again at a local club. 
and all the same things went straight happened again back in spasm and I think that's a big realisation right that's rugby knocked on the head for me so then <coughs> went on from rugby so you've gone from rugby so early. was the decision made for you that it was point? kind of it's forced upon you like everyone's kind of it was, it was almost like a bit annoying for me people talking to me about rugby when they say oh it's good that you've made this decision to step back and that you you know you're, you're looking after your future and it was like honestly no I would I ran myself into the ground probably still would if I could the only thing I, I can't put to that next level uh, as soon as I do I go straight into spasm so we'll get more into it with backs and things so the thing I learned with my back is all backs have a certain amount of capacity that they can take so you can obviously improve it and do much better with it and keep getting um do more and more get more functional you know get, keep healthy but rugby especially propping was such a high demand for an already damaged back that I have uh, one of the discs in the bottom of my back is in a very nasty condition that that extra little bit to do it it's just not possible so people are oh, nice. No, good, you know, you step back. I like, no, no, not at all. I would very happily if I was if if I could. It sounds a bit stupid to say, but if I could, you know, be in some pain every day but still play, I'd, I'd absolutely do it. Wow. So I'm just reading here that in the average, if a scrum collapses, there's 250 stone of pressure. Mm. I don't think it's stone. Why do you use stone? Because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the telegraph. That's why. Yeah, th- th- there's a lot. I mean. There are some horror stories of guys breaking necks and breaking. Yeah, necks so that's, that's what it's talking yeah, about here. I mean, that's we had someone <coughs> break our neck, break break our neck, break his neck mm. at school. Really, I think as well. Yeah, a few years above us. Oh wow! So, is there a change in what's expected of you as you step up to professional Falcons? I think it's. I had a big eye opener when I had my first year at Harlequins. I think I was aware of how much hard work it would be, but um, probably not not tr- fully fully aware like, I knew it was going to be hard but it was honestly that first year was extremely tough really, not, not just physically but mentally as well you've gone from being in school to being in a team environment with you know some you know you're training with international players and really guys that know their stuff and coaches who are demanding from you and it's kind of like the best way I've had to describe this playing rugby is like having at that level is like having a weekly job interview. So imagine a really, you know, high pressure, tough job interview you're going for, you know, the, the nerves, how you feel, oh God, I've got to be prepared, got to be good. If I, do, if I don't do well in this interview, I'm not going to get the job. It's it's like that every single week. So. The stakes keep going up. Oh, every well, week. So, so you're, you're competing for your position with, you know, probably three or four other guys who all want, want it just as much. And um, if you don't play well, you're not in. If you're not in, and you're always not in, suddenly you get released from your contract, suddenly you know, your whole life's up in the air, and then you're like, oh God, i got sort of a life out. It's, it's difficult. And I mean, with my position that I was in, it was quite um, you know, a very, obviously, confrontational position. So I was going up as a you know fresh-faced 18-year-old, going up against, you know, I think, well, I remember my first couple of games, I was a Scottish international in an A-league team, and he just murdered me, absolutely murdered him. Just it wasn't a very fun day and suddenly going back like oh my god I'm, I've I just been wrecked <laughs> I've been wrecked I've been destroyed I'm not, I can't do this I'm not good enough why am I doing this and suddenly of course because this is all you've thought about for years and suddenly the whole cycle starts and you're like oh god it gets really tough and you really have to pick yourself up and carry on and really seek out the guys who can help you I've always been a big fan of working, trying to find out who is good at something and trying to get what I can from them. I mean, that's why I've used, you know, Johnny's helping me with my macros as well. I've seen the information he puts. I was like, okay, well, I know he knows his stuff. He's strong, lean, good. I'll use that to help me. Um, and then with rugby, I was like, okay, well, big thing for me. I've just been absolutely nailed in a scrum. Who's the best scrummager at the club? Okay, I'll go talk to him, see if we can help. And it would it would, it would help. And it's a, it's a hard slog. It's, it's a really, you need a really hard focused effort to get where you want to be but uh, the people are there to help so, yes. so it's like a competi- it's competing every weekend isn't it yeah, for yeah. a full season yes yeah, so you know how you feel on competition day we do powerlifting it's mm. that every week that every I single mean, week I've got that now strongman it's all the same it's exactly the same mm. but this time I'm on my own but, uh, with, and you can um, have breaks between you competition can, yeah, yeah. You, got, you, you know it's only sport six to seven events at the most mm. and, you know powerlifting it's nine lifts um, but it's that same feeling competitions are a walk in the park really like you, you've, you're only yeah. up for a few seconds each time yeah. Yeah. it's just what it's just nine lifts <laughs> It works up. Most people don't make all of those. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just trying to replicate what you've done in training as well. So it's, yeah. Uh, so what I'm interested in, you said about failure and having to pick yourself up, and mm-hmm. you've you've talked about. So you, you kind of modelled yourself from an instrumental implementation perspective mm-hmm. for how to become a better scrummer or um, scrummer. Scrummer. Like, I don't know. Better prop scrummer. <laughs> rugby ball. Amazing. Man. Rugby guys are going to be a, a rugby. A better, a better, better rugby, rugby uh, man. A rugby doer. 
foot game man um, <laughs> so the, the, the game when you go hug lots of men the, the, the huggy man um, and then you have the, 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 the prostitute at the back that's um, that's yes. the hooker very high level nothing <laughs> <laughs> so hooker's, that, hooker's right in it that's what he's referring to uh, okay so, so that's all the, the instrumental side yes. of it but how do you how do you pick yourself up from being smashed by someone mm-hmm. who's levels above you and continuing to to not feel like you just want to give up it's a tough one i think for me it was it's kind of get on with it like you, you have to like there's no option to but you have you have to get on with it you, you know you're a professional you're paid to be there you have to keep going you can't just throw in the towel and be like no i'm all right see you later i mean it, it's it's maybe that's my mentality or something i've brought to most things i do i hate the idea of giving it I do you know one of the big things I learned from it was you you have all these thoughts that go through your head about I need to give up I can't do this and all that but it's not listening to them or not listening to enough that you actually implement that action so for me as a young kid so you still have those those negative voices but you just have to ignore them I would think I wouldn't say ignore them I think everyone has these thoughts of um, you know unless you may be Kanye West who I don't think that's (laughs) anything but uh, just like you have these thoughts oh you know this is rubbish oh I can't do this this is way too hard this is uh, I'm not strong enough for this I can't do that but I think the difference between people doing great things and not doing great things are those people that pay too much attention to it or listen to it too much and then that they get paralysed they don't do anything They, they don't get better they have that bad experience they then want to put everything bad that's happened to them down to that experience and not moving on from it. So rugby was a great, I think it's, it's helped me more since I've retired as well, you, that dealing with failure, because it's harsh failure, and it, especially <clears throat> in that environment, you, everyone, you know, you've got your 14 teammates around you looking at you going through that hard time. You've got the whole opposition, you've got, you know, your dad's watching on the side, you've got the whole coaches, it's on video. You can't hide from it. You just can't hide from it. So you have to think, well, everyone's seen it now. Uh, I don't want that to happen again. So you you double your efforts, you train hard, you move forward. Because that tenacity seems to be evident in the rest of your life as well, in that you finish rugby, you haven't just thrown in the towel. You've actually gone for powerlifting and strongman despite the back. You still, you you haven't just thought like, oh, I've had this setback, that's going to put me out, so... Screw oh, it! I'm yeah. just going to take up knitting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not the uh, I'm not not the cleverest of guys. So I like I love you know strength, being strong, being powerful. I love all of that. And I've I'm, I I've always seen myself as you know I want to be that 50, 60 year old guy in the gym that's still training, still going for it. That's what I want. And I think after rugby, I, I, there was this massive uh, gap, a massive void. I know you've written about this, saying something's missing. And, it was that huge loss of uh, what? What do I do? Like it was awful, and especially um, at the time, I hadn't finished my uni degree, which uh, which I'm now finished, which is great. But uh, I had nothing else to. You have to have it. a sense of purpose. There was it? nothing. Very I felt. I, yeah, I've always been identified as Dan. You know, Dan the rugby guy. You know, I go back home. I'm still known as Dan the rugby guy. I go. To, you know, I still love going back to my local club where it all started out, and I feel like it's you know nothing's changed. But then. So I realised, oh god, I'm not the rugby guy. I can't play rugby, and it's really that's something I struggle with, especially when after retiring, I was in a very dark place for a very quite mm. a long time. I'd say I've only just come out of it where I can talk about rugby happily and not. not well, it's a very rugby. crushing thing because if it's something you invest your identity in, and then that's taken away from you. Mm. But yeah, it's it's, it's it was it was tough to move <coughs> on. But I think I honestly think training, I think training was a a way for me to get over it. I mean, when it basically after my, I had a back surgery, uh, an IDET, which is basically when they put a metal rod into your disc in your back, heat it up. So I think it's around 90-ish degrees. And they basically cook your disc in the hope they can seal it up and make it a more stable disc. So you can imagine that was quite fun, <laughs> quite painful. So I remember after that, I couldn't train for about, what was it? I think four months, no, six weeks. Couldn't train, no, 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 it was two months. Couldn't do anything for two months. Couldn't touch a weight couldn't do anything and you know I've been training since I was 15 you know since those those days of bicep curling in your bedroom before you go to bed which mm. is the best if anyone's looking for a beginner routine it's three <laughs> sets of 10 dumbbell curls those York ones you get from as uh, uh, what was it Argos and you've got push ups off the uh, the handles and then you've got to do yeah. sit ups every night that is the best way to start training programming legs don't no, don't we don't think about that just biceps yeah. Yeah. so you've got to build a foundation of biceps and chest before you <laughs> so in that four months, I kind of, I was quite a big guy when I was playing. Um, I think I was about 100, I played 118 kilos, which is just around 19 stone, I think now. So now. What are you right now? Uh, I, I compete at 105 for strongman. 
So I was quite a big heavy guy and I thought, well, I can't train, I can't do anything, right, I'm gonna lose weight. So I, you know, did that chicken and vegetables and all that rubbish for quite a while. And uh, cause I couldn't train, but for me, that was my way of dealing with it, that I could have something to focus on. So I lost some weight, good. Then got to the position where I could start training again. And then when I when he, when I saw the surgeon, he said, yes, it's good, let's, let's start getting back into it. Oh man, you know, that was humbling. Starting again mm. from nothing, you don't realize, how much you lose and that was that was that was humbling but at the same time i kind of knew okay i'm so far behind i can train oh this is amazing this is the best thing ever the fact that it doesn't even factor as you're thinking okay when can i start training again rather than (laughs) should i start lifting heavy weights again yeah i know what you mean the first thing i thought was okay well if i can't squat i'll just do single leg squats what yeah what can i do yeah so of course i then worked up so i think i did 150 kilos off Bulgarian squat one rep max once. What? Nice. Yeah. How? Yeah, barbell. Exactly, yeah, the barbell. Just, I, was like, if I, I was like, if I can't... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I can do that now. But if I was like, right, if, if I can't... <laughs> I'm, Jesus, I'm flabbergasted. Have you ever tried barbell, front-loaded barbell Not with 150 squat? kilos. Have you ever tried it at all? Yeah, really hard. Like, I, like 40 kilos, my knees were all over the place. Like, oh, yeah, man. Stability. How yeah. do you dump it if you have to... Don't. It's a suicide. Yeah, I've, I, I like the suicide method. You've seen a lot of my videos and stuff that come on the Instagram thing. I don't train in racks. Um, yeah. Part of the reason is that I like the fact that Crazy. If, if I can't make it, I'll get crushed. So I have to make it. So if anyone doesn't know, a, a Bulgarian split squat is when you you have it's a one legged squat with your rear foot elevated on a bench behind you. So doing that with 150 kilos on your back. Doing it with a barbell in a front rack position. <clears throat> it wasn't uh, a front rack, it was on your back, man. Uh, no, I was gonna that's say, no better. <laughs> if, I, if I had to worse. Do you think so? Yeah. Because oh, think, think about it. Like, if, it's, if it's in the front rack, you can at least stay upright. If it's if it's on your back, you have to deal with the for, the inevitable forward lean as you come down. I'm going to start doing them again. Cause There's I... a video of Dan oh, that I saw on Facebook doing a paused Low, low-ish bar. No, was it? High bar. High bar. High bar yeah. Paused two. Two twenty now. For a single. Yes. Yeah. So that was just out of a rack. Yeah. You're a silly man, Dan. <laughs> I love that. To me, like with you guys, like like in this bit, I'm just it's just normal. Like, why wouldn't you do it that way? What What is interesting with you saying about identifying yourself with rugby, mm-hmm. not being able to do rugby again, mm-hmm. and there's this like immediate period of darkness that follows that. Yeah. I think that's common in people leaving uni and joining the real world yeah. like going and getting a job and then realizing like shit like this is just my life now yeah, these like yeah. four walls of this cubicle i've got no athletic out, out, out outlet yeah. i've got nothing to express myself getting an injury like suddenly realizing that you know you're, you're a strong man competitor or a pilot for a bodybuilder and suddenly i can't train anymore yeah and then there's just this part of your personality is just removed Jeez, it's it? something that i think so the guy that, that coached us, as many people know, Eric Helms, touched on this with us. I don't know if you remember at the seminar. The distinction between I am a powerlifter or I am a rugby player and I am Dan and I play rugby. Yeah. And I'll that like, you. if you take the sport away from you or the thing away from you, mm-hmm. you still have to be someone that you're happy with without that. Absolutely. And it's, it's like a really painful thing to think about. But You're making yourself anti-fragile then. Yeah. You can then enjoy powerlifting without or rugby without the attachment to it mm. and still mm. still throw yourself into it but you're not then as uh, as crushed or it's not as um, it doesn't bring up that sense of death almost mm. yeah, it, it totally feels like a bereavement when it happens yeah, like, yeah. just someone I said you can never pad again you'd be like terrible oh, terrible well I mean I've just had to back out of a, of a competition because of injury and even that for me is like Brutal, isn't you know, because all the time you're, you're preparing, you're thinking about it and you're, you're imagining the competition, how it's going to feel to do well and, and all that stuff. And when that goes, there's a whole like part of your day and part of your week that's not there anymore. So I think it's like it's something you need to think about and prepare yourself for because it will eventually happen. But being able to actually do that, like if someone had told you when you were what 17 in five years, you would be able to play rugby again. Oh, I think it would like, absolutely crush me. But w- do you think you'd have been able to prepare yourself for it or do you think you'd just, well, the thing, you just get yeah, to that point? I, think I kind of thought I was going to be... Inv- you always think you're invincible. It's just this unrealisation that it could be taken away at any moment. You just think, oh, that'd be someone else. Yeah. And it, and it was me. And, you know, I, looking back, you know, I, I should feel very uh, happy and lucky with what I did. You know, mm. I still managed to get to a very good level and, you know, I, I now live here because of rugby. You know, mm-hmm. now, you know, Things like, you know, owning, uh, owning my house has, you know, been massively helped because of rugby and things yeah. like that. So it's trying to be looking more positive 
are, are out. It's, it's, it's totally how you want to look at it. That was a big mm. shift I've tried to find in my own sort of thinking spaces. How do you want to look at this? Like, for, you know, brief example, Worlds last week uh, in Finland, uh, the uh, strongman. So I was doing that. I had a basically one mistake, one big mistake, massively impact my rankings. Everyone else was really good on the day. They brought their A game. So that tiniest little mistake cost me I think basically cost me placing mm. at the time I was oh, devastated I was miserable you know slamming my belt on the floor effing and blinding hating life ground swallowing me up so you could I could either choose to look at it and think oh you know why me how could I have done that you know the spiral starts you know I did this and that or I can choose to look at it and think it was one tiny little mistake in my first time at a world you know competitive environment uh, three international with a strongman okay that one little mistake if I didn't do that and then Tape that down to experience, look to improve for next time. Holy crap, I'm very close to being in that, you know, mm. that top three position in the world. And it's like, well, I feel much better if I think of it like that way. So why would I think the other way? When you try and stand back from it, think of it that way, just taking like, the positive spin. Yeah, it's like, well, why would you? Like, yeah. even, even as much as like the number of people, the number of kids at school that would kill for an opportunity to have a chance at pro rugby, or like the number of people who train for strongman who'd kill for the chance to go to yeah, yeah. worlds, there's got to be like, the vast majority of both of those populations. Yeah, yeah. So but when you get to that point, you're always like, God damn it, like I should have oh, done, I, so you know, I didn't do the absolute yes, best. Yeah. So you have just casually mentioned that, <laughs> you, that you were a strong man. Well, I was at Finland the other week for what? these world championships. Yeah. Go to. Well, can we backtrack and cover how you rehabbed your back from post-surgery to lifting <clears> again to then competing at world's strongman with a knackered disc? Yeah, sure. Man. So... <laughs> Rugby was a <laughs> so post rugby we were right we were going back uh, so I was building myself back up that's when I got heavily into the work of um, Stuart McGill uh, Dr Stuart McGill whose work has been really helpful for my back because my back wasn't getting better through physios and exercises I was doing I mean it was helping but I think there's got to be something more I can do so I got really into his his work read pretty much everything I could uh, there's other guys like um, Dr. Lieberson and some other people like really read everything I could watched everything I could listened to every podcast I could and I was thinking right how can I now apply this to me because I was getting all this knowledge but it's like how can I make this work for me so I then put it into my life and not everything I did was perfect but I just I was starting to find out what worked and what didn't work so I was then focusing that into myself uh, so I then went from when I was able to do weights I was doing weights in the right way so I couldn't for a very long time but I couldn't back squat post-surgery for about a year to two years so I was like right I feel fine in a single leg position my back feels quite neutral everything feels fine okay I'm gonna hammer the head out of single leg good I'll crack on with that uh, I then could do upper body was fine I could do all that kind of stuff I didn't deadlift you know, I only started deadlifting like I think four years ago because I couldn't we never did it in rugby so I didn't do that I was like there's no way I'm doing that with my back Suddenly I built this base through more sort of, you know, body. What, what was the go-ahead to start deadlifting then? What gave you the green light? I fancied having a go. <laughs> Desire. And was it pain-free when you started? No. Um, when I first started, I tried, I did single leg to start with. Uh, that was okay. I had to go sumo. But uh, that was that was pain-free, but I'm just, it doesn't fit well with me at all. But then what I did was um, I started pulling off blocks. And then what I did was really learn how to deadlift properly. I did a lot of work, you know, the um, Stuart McGill again, and then uh, the Kelly Sturette stuff, how to position yourself for a deadlift. So if you if you watch me deadlift, I, can, I get very anal about position and how, where I should be. I'm really, really a stickler for that. Because I if I get the slightest bit of flexion in my back and thing, um, things don't go quite right, I'll be out injured straight away. And it has ha it has happened. Like, I think when I first started working with uh, Johnny a few months ago, I was in a bad place with my back and that was all just warming up with the squat. So I kind of learned what worked for me, what, what didn't. So then over a period of about a year and a bit, I started doing more sort of bodybuilding kind of things to build back up because I kind of lost a lot of muscle mass. So of course the vanity side of me was like, I need to get that back. So a lot of training, a lot of hard work. And then I started feeling quite good around the time I did a good Bulgarian squat. I was like, well, something must be going all right if I can do that. All right, let, me, let me have a go at this. Uh, <laughs> this deadlifting yeah, this, mark. Uh, this deadlifting and then get, have a go at squatting. And then that was the first time I put a belt on actually. So for everyone that wears a belt at the time, I put so the Bulgarian belt. split squat with 150 kilos was was beltless. Yeah, beltless. Of you course, don't belt right. for, you don't need a belt for single leg. No, no way. Yeah. So, so yeah, the first time I put a belt, I think I was 25. I think the first time I put a belt on. So I did that to think about my back. Um, that's late to lose your belt virginity. Most people like 15, it, 16. To me, to me, I think that's the way it should be. I think if you're lifting with a belt at 15, 16, I think that's too young. 
you should wait till you find a belt you really go, love and you, know, like, you, you care for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got to be what thirty mil single prime. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just some like one-off thing with a with a belt you from sports soccer, you don't want to like, you don't want to break in your belt virginity with that shitty belt from Argos. Do you? Mm. you want to like, do with your the, research? With the roses on the pad, uh, with rose petals on on the uh, on the squat mark. Yeah, one of these pre-broken in belts. Oh, but then you know it's been around already. Right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Probably smells a bit. Yeah. So then I. I, I had a go uh, the first night I, the first I had a go um, squatting first night with your belt yeah yeah first night, but I had a go squatting and then was, it was quite sore the next day so I knew something was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't think we could take it that far I think we could we've done well we? so, <laughs> so, so I had a go no sense of regret or, no, oh, or mate, feeling dirty mate, once, you, once you go belt that's it isn't it mm, that's good that's all you want to do you feel naked when you, when you squat without a belt now you feel naked it just doesn't mm. feel right but uh, so right, I, I I did that, and then I started pushing more myself with training, with uh, squatting, with powerlifting, that kind of style of training. I was like, yeah, I want to, everyone wants a big bench and squat, deadlift. And I was like, okay, well I can do this now. So I was like, well this is fantastic. I'm back to training with big heavy weights. I'm like, well this is brilliant. That's when I, so of course I'm lifting every weight. First, what's the first thing I think of? Oh, I can play rugby again. Great, right? Local <laughs> club, right? Let's go in. You can lift weights. Rugby is a very different story. <laughs> rugby so, seems so unpredictable to me. Like the it, fact that powerlifting yeah. is just the most controlled environment yeah, you can get in a sport. Yeah, that's like it. everything is precisely calibrated, and you can choose your position. You can take as long as you need to set up. And you can train that specific thing <clears> in a specific way over and over and over again. But rugby is just this absolute melee of horrendous. There's people you... out there to hurt you. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can try, but I mean, scrummaging, I always, I was quite particular with my style of scrummaging. I did a lot of work because for, for a prop, they're typically a shorter, more barrel wide hips, big guys with you know narrow shoulders to get in that position whereas i think i'm pretty opposite i'm six foot three wide shoulders and narrow hips which just doesn't make a good combo for just a, a prop. fridge yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not not the best uh position for but in spite of that i was like i've got to work as hard as i can on for positioning yeah i mean look at you know you know johnny with the squat if you look at johnny you think nah he can't squat he's, he's all you know he's like a, this barrel chest That's with what long arms. but then you know yeah, I mean, he still squats you know was it 240 competitions yeah. good knowledge yeah just from um i, I do my research mm-hmm. but uh you know you work okay i'm not the best built for this okay screw it i'm gonna get as technically for my body shape as good mm-hmm. as i can i'm gonna hammer the hell out of it nice yeah. so two things that jump out at me about the rehab time mm-hmm. first of all how long it took and mm-hmm. how patient you were with it you didn't try and jump straight into the the dodgy stuff or the mm-hmm. risky stuff too quickly and secondly so we interviewed dean somerset a couple of months ago i don't know if you know know him so he's a, a rehab a medical rehab exercise specialist mm-hmm. guy and he talks a lot about finding success mm-hmm. and if you've got an injury not to do the thing that aggravates the pain, but to find what you can do within those parameters Absolutely. and then find success, push to the boundary, see what you can do. And it's, that sounds exactly like what you've done. Absolutely. What's the first thing you do when you get an injury? What do they tell you to do? Move it straight away. You, know, what's you don't get this guarding and this reactive yeah. tension. Put it, th- put it through like the, the what, same range of motion. What you can do is pain through. Um, yeah. pain through. So say if squatting, if, if squatting down all the way parallel is painful, but um, quarter parallel squat's not painful, do that. Obviously you're not going to load up like crazy, but just do what you do what you can do, and it really really helps. There's a lot of dogma of people being like, oh, you know, if you you need to go hard or go home, and mm. almost encouraging people to train through injury. Yeah, you see, which, I I think I kind of had that mentality, and uh, it it's definitely it catches had, up on you, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, look at me. It's definitely had a. I think a big influence on where I am now learning what I've learned from backs the way they work how it happens so what happened with, with your back because I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of people listening to this will have had back pain at some point mm-hmm. what movements were causing it to be painful and what did you do to gradually restore your faith in your back yeah so the things that caused it the most pain was hanging around with a bunch of idiots in a scrum <laughs> pushing against each other so you'll be pushing against someone and then there'll be people behind you still driving you and then you're both going like this and my back just hated mm. that scrummaging scrummaging and squatting was the worst for me coincidentally deadlifting yeah, I've only done my back and ones from deadlifting so compression Compr- oh, massive compression compression and flexion uh, extension as well for me um, so anything <laughs> yeah it, this, is, this is it everything I've, this disc if it just gets too loaded it, it just can turn sour very quickly so the times I remember doing it 
is when I've been um, slightly too flexed or it's just that pressure going through. Like there's been times where I've been warming up for a squat and I would, I think I'm you know, a fairly competent squatter and I'd be getting um, everything right, you know, trying to do my bracing, get nice and nice movement, nice and upright. But it was just that, the pressure, just loading up too much, doesn't want to take it. So pretty much everything you'd think that would do it. So for me, with my back, I'm in a situation with my back pain. I, you hear people have, I'm sure you've come across a few who their back's gone when they pick something off the floor or, you know, oh, my back's gone there. My back has always gone from something really, you know, really not, nor, not normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, why have you got all this weight on your back? Well, squats, obviously, gains. That's why, that's why we do it. So my I'm, my back's at this point. You get that look of contempt from the doctor. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so what what were you doing when you... Yes, had just, your, your knees only <laughs> hurt when you're squatting 200 kilos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever considered not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Totally, but then um, but what I've learned though is how you move day to day, what you, how you sit, how you stand, how you move, how you pick something on the floor, then goes to impact your training. Mm. So it's like this cycle. So why I love, um, I mean, I personal train now with my day job. Why I love personal trainers with people when I'm training them, I can show. I I have quite a few clients who suffer similar back pain to what I've had, and through training them and showing them how to move better in the gym, showing them a squat, showing them a deadlift. I mean, you pick something off the floor, it's a deadlift. So I'm like, okay, this form we're using for a deadlift, it's, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but I want you to use that when you're picking anything up off the floor uh, every single time. You've gotta think, your back can only handle so much. So why would you do all this, you know, concentrate training in the gym, and then it's the moment you're out of it, you move like shit, basically. I think interestingly, the people who, like, when you speak to someone who doesn't train, Mm-hmm. about back pain it's always from something like um i was opening a door or yeah. i was getting into a car it's always something fairly mundane very very rarely i mean i'm not saying this never happens but people that i know who train who injure their back very rarely from anything like that it's almost always training yeah, related it is training related. but if you think if they were moving better uh, not to say they aren't but most of the people I've come across, if they were moving better day to day, they wouldn't get those injuries. Mm-hmm. So I think That's back much. pain, obviously a very complex topic and oh, no, one, no one's really got a handle on it. But it's interesting you said that because there are lifting related injuries for back pain. And then there's the average Joe who mm. has back pain. And there's a lot of data to show that people develop funky movement patterns. That So this is uh, contrary to the lifting related stuff mm. where people move in a way that's almost expecting pain mm. and there's observable differences in how people kind of brace when they're going to pick something up off a shelf or whatever mm. and that kind of reinforces the pain cycle and a lot of the physiotherapy with let's say non non lifting related back pain mm. is about allowing people to trust their back again and be able mm. to just bend over and breathe out and relax and people that have back pain will automatically inhale brace and try like and expect it to hurt yeah and that almost resensitizes the tissues to oh, absolutely. more pain yeah it's like why would you brace up like you go for a you know 200 kilo squat if you're picking something first it, yeah. it just seems ridiculous they've done they've, they've i can't i don't have the study reference but i'm sure i read where they, they examined two groups of sprinters one with an injury and one who didn't have an injury but still were worried about an injury mm-hmm. and it impacted the performance equally. Of course it Just because, you know, like, and you'll, you'll experience this lifting. Um, you go to squat and you think like, oh, my knee hurt yesterday or my hip hurt yesterday. Yeah. Oh, my back's bothering me. You almost like, you're a bit tentative and something my coach said, who, Bryce Lewis, for those who don't know, he always seems <laughs> to me to be... <laughs> hey, Bryce. He always seems to be injury free. And I said to him, like when I picked up the injury in my hamstring, yeah. I was like, what do you do? Like, what are you putting on your shreddies in the morning yeah, to yeah. make, like, to just make yourself injury free? And he just said, he has niggles all the time. Yeah. He just doesn't think about it. Like he yeah. doesn't, as soon as I say, space yeah, as soon as I say I have an injury, that's it. I think um, you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's something rugby teaches you, sport teaches you. I mean, this just might be my mentality as well. I, mm. There's not a session I go into when something isn't hurting or doesn't feel yeah. right every single time. I've, I will never let that get in the way even though oh, you know shoulders a bit sort of now can carry on and it, it goes it just this is goes. the opposite to football where any any slight <laughs> raise is supposed yes. to really <laughs> exaggerate something uh, that a guy called Mark Keyes said to me who is someone who's on the podcast soon mm-hmm. he's written a few in fact the article went today. out today well not today when people are listening Recently. Wednesday the 19th or 20th of yeah. September yeah 21st 20, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he I, I, he coached me on a, a squat session mm-hmm. while my knee was bothering me and I just said, like, 
so irritating trying to compete in powerlifting and all the time there's a niggle mm. and his response was if he if every time he had a niggle he didn't train he'd never train mm. and that for me was like wow you know see that's why he's good if, if things feel like that I'd say stop being such a person <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a balance isn't there there because, is it's finding and, it and this yeah. is why things like <clears throat> knee sleeves and belts are great because they give you that sent extra sense of safety so that you can push a squat mm. or you push something I totally agree out. I still think people need to learn how to move without them oh I definitely think people need to learn how to trust their own set themselves up I think a lot of people are squatting badly mm. and deadlifting poorly I think there's a lot of activation things they can be doing not not necessarily with the warm up and all that kind of stuff but just before they lift there's a few things you can do to just something everything cues up you know whether it's screwing your feet into the floor before you squat mm. or thinking about that brace before you uh, move you, I, I'm of the opinion you should be able to squat without anything but when you put the sleeves on the belt on it's a tool that's the way I yeah. see it yeah. so for example my belt was squat compared to my uh, with a belt I think I'd squat probably about 20 to 30 kilos less without a belt mm. because it's a tool you put it on and I'm aware of that so I know when I'm lifting beltless or sleeveless or raw as you know everyone says <laughs> completely raw like no clothes on or anything <laughs> I, I, I'm confident even though my numbers I know are much higher with the with the gear on I know it's because I'm wearing tools and support things what, what percentage of your max do you think you could squat completely naked no socks no shoes no clothes Candito style. <laughs> or Fra- Frank Yang. Yeah, yeah. yeah Frank. Candito used to have loads of videos in his backyard in boxes teaching people how to squat. I don't think that I would be able to... It'd be slippery. ...engage my, my mind in the same way. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's my opinion. That's my thought. You need to be able to do that without it. To be naked? Yeah, to be butt naked. Do you think Dougie would mind if I went into the gym? Um, well, I, 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 I'm there Tuesdays. So <laughs> it makes some good footage on the FSI. Camera. This Tuesday, everyone, me and Yusuf <laughs> making squats. squats. So interestingly, gymnastics is easier naked. Like that le- is interesting. The less clothes you have, that because I guess tumbling, you've got less air resistance and you've got less to catch onto or get in the way. <laughs> I would so imagine. I was doing full twists the other day. Parts of you yeah. that get a little flat bit around. loose and, and flat. Yeah, and to, to be fair, I've, ne- I've never tumbled completely naked. I've always been at least wearing shorts. Right. So, but I was yeah doing full twists on Wednesday in as little clothes as they allow me to without being on the sex offenders register. Oh, how, how much is that? That's cloth. like just a single cloth. <laughs> a fig just, leaf. Yeah. A sock. Yeah. Or a sock. I think they'd have a word. Is it not okay to be naked? Like if you said, I need to be naked for my gymnastics for the next 30 minutes. There's got to be some rule or something. Like you just straight away, you'd you just be arrested, you think? <laughs> I think they'd, they'd go through a series of more conservative measures. They'd say, Wait, stop it. first of all, please, can you stop? Yeah. Secondly, I'm calling security. Thirdly, I'm calling police. Fourthly, I'm calling the military. Batman. Batman, Batman. Interpol. And then before, CIA. before you know it, you're like under some kind of interrogation for putting You're in sock Guantanamo. <laughs> Just because you want to do a bit of tumbling with <laughs> less air resistance. With your penis flapping around in the air. There's a thing I wish I did more of gymnastics. Um, I was quite a big dude at school weighed my age so I was like 18 I think gymnastics was never on the cards but I think if I well when you know when, when my kid comes I think if they want to get into sport I'd love to push them towards gymnastics I think that is the thing to, to push kids into it's like the, the most multifaceted skill yeah, to yeah. develop isn't it so coach summer gymnastics coach uh, like quite a high level one always talks about how his gymnasts can just walk into a gym and bust out a twice body weight bench press having never touched a barbell Something that I'm lit- I've literally been trying my entire life to get to, and I'm yeah. still comfortably no, aware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, but you, you, when did you start gymnastics? Probably tw- 11, 12 years old. Self-taught. Semi, well, so there, there were formal sessions, but kind of in and out. I was, I only did it competitively from 19 years old. So but that's really, that's quite late then, isn't it? It is, annoyingly, and then you, and it, if you do any kind of self-taught stuff before that, you pick up very bad habits. That, mm, yeah, of course, they, get out of. Yeah, they, uh, the, when you, the first couple of years of training gymnastics officially is really tedious because they make you go through the same boring drills and you do nothing sexy. Yeah. And it's all to try and instill that when you see people on the Olympics, like all the tumbles and stuff are actually not that hard once your positions are so dialed in that yeah. you can make a slight tweak and that adds in an extra twist or an extra rotation or something. <laughs> but it's about you have to nail the basics and people often want to skip that because it's a bit like 
training with good form right, compared to wanting to go and just do a max because like learning the Olympic lifts I imagine oh like that's exactly. probably the nearest thing in the weights room isn't it well that's the, the form that's something that's been on my mind quite a lot recently for me form it's not just about that injury prevention why why do you want to lift with good form to lift the most amount of weight possible mm. so you know some you see a lot of these videos one rep maxes and you know it, it goes to shit it looks horrible they're like yeah but it was a one rep max it doesn't matter here oh the form you're gonna have form breakdowns like, well all right what if you kept form if we think the whole point of form is to lift the most amount of weight possible mm-hmm. you would lift more weight so brett gibbs talked about this he's um 83 kilo powerlifter deadlifted at 320. Yeah, he's second in the world. At the oh, he's, on, he's on fire at the moment. Yeah. yeah, so he used to lift with upper back rounding and, and relatively, well, worse form. Mm. And he said what he did is he dropped the weight down, worked only to a technical max for mm. all of his training cycles, even though he had to drop like maybe 50 kilos off mm. his max. And now whenever he fails a lift, it's technically perfect. Mm. And he's it's just too much weight. Well, just too go. much weight, yeah. yeah. He's just busted through he his fit, previous yeah, plateaus. Totally, yeah. Like this, I've, I've worked with uh, people in the gym and we've literally put on 20 kilos to their deadlift and these are guys who are already putting you know like 200 or so just by sorting out some positioning mm. just from doing that and it's just it, it, it's a really frustrating thing for me that people think it's acceptable that, well I say acceptable I'm going a bit too far here, but people think it's alright that you can have this form breakdown and think oh yeah but that's my one rep max it's, it's not your one rep max then isn't it like, like I said, when I come away from a lift and I, you know, like at, um, at the uh, Worlds, name dropping, dropping. <laughs> but uh, I, I did my rep max with the deadlift for the day. And I knew looking back, it was my absolute max. Like I couldn't have lifted more. But then, uh, you know, one of my friends was like, oh, well, you know, I think well, if you just let yourself around a bit and all that. And I was like, well, no, I know if, if I do all that rounding and losing position, it's not going up. It's no longer because you've trained yourself in a good position enough. And it's interesting to hear you say that because strong men are kind of notorious for oh, it's awful, man. just it's hilarious. curling up horrible mm. uh, rounds. a lot of upper back rounding and deadlifting. It's, it's, uh, I think it's funny watching powerlifters look at strong men and strong men look at powerlifters. Yeah. Powerlifters look at strong men and cry. They're like, oh my God. Yeah. It's just like, mate, try picking up an Atlas stone. Try putting you know mm. these axles over your head. And then tell me that, yeah, you're going to have perfect form. Yeah, it's difficult It's like, with a stone, it's a rounded back position. There's nothing you can do about it. You can brace very, you know, get your core set in the right way, move around from your hips, your ankles. I mean, I can lift stones okay. Um, You can get yourself in a good position. So the difference there with a stone and to a deadlift is that with a stone, you're starting in a rounded back position Mm. and you're holding that position. And it seems to be, I think Stuart McGill as well Mm. mentioned some of this where he's saying the risk is in the rounding of the spine under load rather than necessarily mm-hmm. what position it's in to start with. Mm-hmm. And that if you start rounding mid mid lift mm. to try and lock it out, you're at much more It's risk going than... from those flexion to extension, extension to flexion, like we say under load, that's where the problems start happening. So with stones, they're just, I mean, you should honestly try lifting one, they're horrible. They're just, oh, you're just, yeah. just tacky all over you, they're nasty, you're never in a good position, it just, it really hurts. I mean, that's one thing about strongman training, it's very painful, mm. it's very hard. Like, training four to five days a week with strongman, as you should do with the events and all that, it's it's really, I mean, I've got a competition coming up, I'm going to World Strongest Team for the WNSF uh, Federation, which is going to be amazing. But the weights are ridiculous, like, you look at them, you think, oh my God, this mm. is insane and this is the same for everyone they're just ridiculously heavy with really odd objects that you wouldn't think you know something like a duck walk you know you're straddling this weight in your leg and walking around it's, it's crazy but it's, it's, it's good fun it's <laughs> testing global strength isn't it as opposed to like powerlifting is very very specific like yeah, it's, it's a, a squat to a certain depth in a certain way and there's never any surprises but if you watch like the top top guys in powerlifting world move a max it's they very very rarely lose position like they're in position the bar will stop, but their body shape doesn't change. Yeah. Mike Tuscher is the best example of that. <laughs> Have a look on YouTube if you haven't seen him already. He's basically just Robocop, isn't he? Yeah. Just, I think we're all going, yeah. we're going to a seminar. We are actually, yeah. all three of us, yeah. That one I can't wait for. I mean, yeah. that he's, is he's had a big, especially recently with my deadlift, he's had a big influence on my training. Mm. Just uh, that idea of keeping everything nice. We'll have to do a full seminar debrief on RP. We'll try and get him on, actually. Yeah, but why he's, not? The RP style of training is... Seems very simple, but there's a lot of complexities. Oh, yes. yeah. Like if you look at his programming templates, it's like the Enigma, cracking the Enigma code. It's unbelievable. So I'm aware that you've got a client to train now. So is there anything else that you wanted to cover 
before we wrap up? No, as much. I mean, okay. well, I guess we're in that position we could, we could talk all day, really. About yeah, that, this, this has yeah. been really fascinating chat. How, how can we find out more about you, Dan? Uh, you can find out more about me uh, if you go on Instagram. I've got a coffee company called Barbells and Beans. So if you look us up, uh, all my sort of training videos and coffee's all on there. Delicious coffee. Yeah, there you go. Delicious, delicious. I did like. 20 kilos to my deadlift, I think. That was the first time you pulled 300. Yeah, it? It, it actually was as well. <laughs> That's the thing. All right, so yeah, it's all, you know, natural caffeine. And, and as that. they always say, correlation means causation. So. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. Obviously. Is that, and then you can find me on Facebook, uh, just Dan Frazier. I think it's under Dan Frazier PT. And then I'm most active on Instagram. But feel free to send me a message if you want to talk more about training or anything. And naked pictures. Dan no, loves naked, naked pictures. Naked pictures. <laughs> See, Terry Hollands was cool He's that saying one. that he's playing hard to get. Yeah, he loves naked pictures. <laughs> Just men, though. Just men. <laughs> no, it was a, Terry Hollands was saying he's getting quite a few recently. So funny. Just naked photos. We put up a picture of him. Uh, Terry Hollands, he's been Britain's strongest man. You know, extremely good strongman competitor. He's, he's he's on a cut, so he's losing some you know losing some fat. So he's put up a as you do when you're on a cut straight to Instagram top of the selfie it but didn't happen if it's not on Instagram oh, so true so what's the first thing that happens dick pics dick pics uh, it's just <laughs> so funny but uh, yeah you can, you can find me on Barbells and Beans on Instagram and then Dan Fraser PT on Facebook Barbells and Beans and Sweet. Dan Fraser so yeah if you missed this or if you want to check it out on YouTube Android Stitcher anything like that we are on propanefitness.com all the show notes are posted on there and if you want to catch our new ebook. Oh yeah. Five strategies for getting the most out of my fitness pal. Best way to get that is on Facebook. So go to our Facebook page and download that. Facebook.com forward slash propane fitness. Cool. Speak to you guys next week.